Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello and welcome to Headliners. I'm Andrew Doyle and tonight are two incredibly talented comedians joining me by the names of Josh Howie and Lewis Schaefer. That was a bit much as an incredibly talented. I'd say, you know, competent would have been I'll more... Go, I'll handle I'm, I'd, I'd like competent. Yeah? People have said that I'm, uh, I'm sober and on time, or I used to be. Those are your best qualities. Yeah. Uh, not, to be, uh, not to be sniffed at that. And I'm usually free, so I'm available. Available. You're an inspiration to us all. (laughs) We aspire to be like Louis Schaefer. Um, We need to crack on with the show. We're going to have a look at tomorrow's front pages first. And we start with the Daily Mail. Daily Mail has doctors demand 30% increase. So we've had teachers uh, threatening to strike and, of course, rail strikes, various strikes, barristers even striking, and uh, now doctors wanting a piece of the action. Uh, We move on now to the Daily Telegraph which has Army Chief, Ukraine is our 1937 moment. This is a general saying that the UK must be ready for war with Russia as NATO is announcing a troop expansion. Move on to the Independent now. Uh, Russian tar- Russia targets shopping centre with 1,000 inside. So there's been a missile strike in central Ukraine, which has been um, targeting a civilian shopping centre. Lots of people killed. A terrible story there. We'll be covering that. And an image of Emma Raducanu there. And now The Guardian... The Guardian has a uh, prospect of strike grows as doctors eye 30% pay deal. That's that story which we will be getting to. And an image of Raducanu there either jumping for joy or demonstrating her powers of levitation. Let's move on to the Financial Times, which runs with NATO buttresses eastern flank by increasing forces to 300,000. We will be getting on to NATO in a moment. And uh, now we go on to Tuesday's Mirror, which has Helen's killer takes secrets to the grave. This is the uh, killer of Helen McCourt has died, but he hasn't uh, told the family where he hid her body. On to the Daily Express now. They lead with a crime against humanity. There's a, an appalling image there of the shopping centre that was bombed in Ukraine. Moving on to the Metro, they run with the same story there. Shoppers murdered by Russia. This is the missile strike. We will definitely be talking about that. And finally, the Daily Star. Turn that ruddy light out. And this is a new scheme at the National Grid. Apparently, they're going to pay us to sit in the dark in order to save on energy bills. And those are your front covers. So we're going to get straight cracking on with this. Now, Josh, we're going to start with this story, which is about um, the NHS and a 30% pay rise thereafter. That seems a lot to me. That does seem a lot, but you know what? It's for good reason, because uh, Dr Emma Runswick, who uh, presented the motion, Hmm. uh, said that she wants doctors to be able to have comfort and pleasure. And I think going for both of those is a little bit greedy. So they should have comfort or pleasure? Choose one or the other. Really, do you need both? So now, this is the issue. I mean, we're talking about doctors here, and obviously we all hugely appreciate what they do for us, but they are well paid aren't they? Can well, I say but, that? But I mean, they're arguing that they've lost 30% in real terms over, over the pro- previous five years yes. because of 
um, not having pay rises and whatnot. So, yes, the average GP earns about £100,000 a year. It's not too uh, shabby. That's, that's, that's pretty good uh, dosh there. By, uh, by American standards... Is that not good? Not good. Yeah. Yeah, but we can't compare everything to America, Lewis. This is what you continually yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, and inevitably, we fall short if we do that. But don't you think, Lewis, don't you think in a way that, you know, this will put some people's backs up? Because, of course, it's, so, it's such a necessity to have the NHS properly staffed. Yeah. Uh, and a strike at the NHS can have serious ramifications. And the people involved are already being paid a substantial amount. Well, you raised two points there. One is, is the, you know, are the doctors needed? And I would, <laughs> You've got Google, right? I would say, I think there are places in the world where doctors have gone on strike and the death rate has gone down. So and you think... Where, which, which place is that? Yeah. Your, your country, Israel. Yeah. I don't think that's Josh's <laughs> country. <laughs> Whatever, but, you know, you don't know. your mean. country, mate. That's All your right, safety zone as well. But, um, but uh, yeah, you Google it out there. You'll have the people in the back Google it. Doctors strike, death rate goes down. Maybe and that's because people are a bit safer during that time because they think, oh, I better not have an accident. So they all stay in and... and can work both ways. By, by the same token. I mean, look, if, if doctors are so important and it is important as well. Like, like the, the Dr. Runswick says, comfort, pleasure. Actually, living a comfortable life is, is, is quite important, especially yeah. if you want to hold on to doctors in the NHS mm -hmm. and to stop them from going to private... There's already a shortage of 8,000 doctors. It's yes. going to get worse as almost half of all family doctors are planning to quit in the next couple of years. Yes. So there's already an issue with the number of doctors and retaining them. Yes. Uh, and you're right. I do think they do need to get paid. 30% sounds like a lot, but as one of the people who was speaking at the conference here, Dr. Joanna Sutton-Klein said, well, it's interesting, first of all, she mentioned the train union. So I yes. think the trains have, even though they haven't had the pay rise yet, I think media-wise they've been so successful because of Mick that he's, you know, he's yeah. just he's, he's sort of smashed it that uh, that they're kind of going, oh well, we want a bit of that. And she literally says, "Folk, you know, uh, all around us, train unions are coming together and winning big." Yeah. So this is the problem, isn't it? It's the thin end of the wedge. Yeah. Once you give you give give some people an inch, and then everyone else wants an inch. No, it's not just that. It's the fact is, as Josh is right, is that the pay, they haven't been paid properly due to inflation for years. No, but neither has anyone else. No, neither has anyone else. So this is a redux of my life in the 1970s. I lived through inflation. I know I'm looking young and beautiful, but uh, I lived through inflation and it was one boring time in the world because one after another, after another, after another, then gets worse and worse and worse. It does. And it, we're in that situation now. Look, situation? I'm not going to begrudge doctors. And I think it's important uh, that they have a... Out of everybody, website. I'd rather give the doctors the money yeah. than train drivers. And what about the nurses? Yeah. And well, the, the, nurse, nurse well, the nurses want 14% uh, pay rise, I think, fair enough. And junior doctors want 22%. Yeah, I suppose it can is. I, can I just Very say, quickly, can I just say that we don't... Uh, that I think doctors are overvalued. <laughs> You've made that point, Lewis. It's a controversial one, but that's why you're here. Tuesday's Times now, and with the ever-increasing Russian threat towards it, NATO looks to be stepping up. So, Lewis, what's this about? Well, what it's about is about the change of policy, which I didn't even know existed, and I've spoken to a NATO expert, and she didn't even know this thing existed, that in, uh, that in, our, in the eastern flank of NATO, there's a policy, which is, which is basically, if the Russians attack, we'll give them 180 days to stay there. And yeah, then we'll... so this is the tripwire policy, this idea that in the, the Baltic states, so Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, uh, if Russia were to invade, uh, there would be 100, after 180 days, NATO would then come in and yeah. kick them out. But by that point, as the, uh, as the presidents of these various states are saying, is there'll be nothing left. They'll be in right? ensconced there. Right. What do you think of this, Josh? Yeah, I think, I mean, that policy made sense when we could sort of somehow predict Putin, but he's yeah. kept on getting more and more aggressive, and, and it makes sense for that. I like, I mean, essentially what they're really talking about is reinforcing the line. 
Yes. That's what they're saying. But they're using lots of euphemisms here because someone gets paid a lot of money to come up with, you know, trip the light fantastic and tripping the wire and well, no, deterrence they, by denial and whatnot. I mean, it's not just reinforcement. They, they, they want to have permanent uh, NATO... Uh, NATO stationed there yeah, permanently. rotating troops. Right, because if they, if they don't do that and if there is an attack, there cannot be any Well, that's what they're response, saying. So right? pre-positioned weapons, supplies across the region, and basically, and this is what one of the um, generals says, he says, um, which I quite like here, Russians can read from it that even if they tried, they would be wiped off the earth in the first few hours. So someone there, a senior defence official, uh, channelling Putin, trying yeah, to beat him of, his own game yeah, there. Yeah, a bit of, bit of no, that's, what, what makes this What makes this completely offensive is basically the Estonians, Lithuanians and Latvians have never done anything for us, yet they want us to be stationed there to protect them. Well, not us particularly, NATO. Yeah, yeah NATO, which is us. What do we think it is? Who do you think is going to die? Who do you think is in NATO? I think Britain's in NATO, until that's the last correct. I look. Yeah. And America's in NATO. I'm sure they're going to yes. put some troop, troops there as well, mate. And the yeah. It's a great country. I'm not saying I mean, it's not. It is a good country. It is. My ancestors probably came from over there. Probably. Probably, probably. kicked out of there. <laughs> you can tell Lewis hasn't even done research into his own ancestry. So can Actually, you really trust your judgment on the paper? Actually, I have. And, okay. I, and they do come from there. Well, look, can I ask you this, though? I mean, isn't... This might be a controversial point, but is it not the case that years and years of NATO expansion has actually escalated the Russian threat and that by doing this, we might be making matters worse, potentially? Well, I mean, there is, this chicken and the egg argument is the fact is it's Putin is the one who's been overtly aggressive. Uh, yes, I know, absolutely. I know, I know the point that you're saying, and some people are, are arguing that. I personally don't agree with it because you, we say, like, oh, NATO's been expanding, but during that time, Putin has been also going into Chechnya, going into all these yeah. different places. and I'm not defending Putin or his invasion of Ukraine. All I'm saying is that Russia has made it abundantly clear for many, many years that Ukraine membership of NATO is a red line, mm -hmm. and yet people here have been flirting with that, that well, idea, that, look, suggesting that it's definitely going to happen. I definitely agree with you, Andrew, is that I think what we've basically we've been not even poking the bear, we've just been niggling it. And the Russians are a very sensitive people. They have no natural defenses. It's a, basically an open plain all the way to Moscow. And all the Russians have, they have two things to defend themselves. One is a crazy leader who's capable of doing anything. Well, that's what's scary, isn't and it? And the second thing is just room. Well, well, you know what, mate? Let's go and explain to the Ukrainians who are dying at the moment because of this mad... Not aggressive. They, they are dying. That, the They're dying for the same reason the Estonians are going to get into trouble. I don't, too. I don't think that to acknowledge this point, though, is, is, is to belittle what they're going through at all. Simply to say, uh, that we, we need to kind of try and understand what Russia you can, has you can, said. You can, and, you can understand and, and, it. They could be wrong, but they perceive the eastward expansion of NATO to be a threat to their sovereignty. Whether that's true or false, that is the perception. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like accusing them of being a bear. You treat you have to treat a bear differently than a dog or a, a person. I'm not saying that Ukraine did everything perfectly over the last. You know, when they got into power and the, they were like, "Yes, we're going to join NATO straight away." Ha ha ha. Whatever. Yeah. That was like what ten years ago or something. They were, they have not played the game very well. But that is very just because you prod the bear. The, what the okay? So what now? The bear's now Stop ripping your face off. That, yeah, so exactly. It's an impossible city. What do yeah. we do now? Do we do we step but up? It's not. We... It's not a bear. It's a civilization. It's a person who is yeah, making yeah. these choices. It's not a bear. It's, it's not an animal. It's, it a, is, it's a thinking it is human being. It is a person being. with with fears that are different than ours that need to be respected. I think my analysis was brilliant. Yes, <laughs> thank you, Lewis. I'm sure it was. Now, Tuesday's Metro, this is a very, very sad story. Uh -oh. That does remind us of the devastating impact of this war. Now, this, this, this bomb, I mean, Josh, this 
at a at a shopping centre. It's just at a shop, bomb at a shopping centre in New, um, in Ukraine. I mean, really, we should get Lewis to. Uh, Stop pounding just, the just, table. Just, you're, you're justify like a, this. <laughs> I'm sure he, not even Lewis, with his heart of steel, would yeah. attempt to justify this. I mean, look. So they're, they're saying the there are a thousand, a thousand people in there. Yeah. They're, they're, there's 11 dead confirmed, many more injured, Probably but more. obviously it's going to go way up. Yeah. And the, the main point is there's no strategic value to an attack. It's just an attack on civilians. And this is an area that up until now had, had pretty much escaped. Yeah, that had, hadn't really had anything. Yeah. So... Uh, the so, purpose is to strike fear and and to kill innocent people. We, we assume that's what it is, and yeah. I just I, I cannot see any. Well, look, I'm against war, full stop. But I cannot see any possible justification for uh, well, we don't know. attacks on civilians. We we don't know. First of all, it is horrible. It's very bad. But we don't know if it wasn't if that's what happened. You mean if it was accidental? Yeah, if it, if, was it was... if it was accidental, if it was something else, it was, you know, we don't know. Do you think that like, behind one of the ice cream shops or something, there was actually some secret room? I think what Lewis is to... trying, are you yeah. trying to suggest that we, we don't really know what's been going on over there because we are getting conflicting it's, reports? It's but, the... but this is pretty clear what's happened here. It you know, seems it's like it's the... clear, but it's the fog of war. Lots of things seem clear. Well, but... there's less fog with mobile phones and, yes, yeah. you know, it's, there's much less... Well, yeah. What about this thing that, I mean, Biden now saying that he is mm. going to send long-range and medium-range um, missile defence systems. Yeah. Well, that uh, would... And that's a pledge. Put, that, that, yeah. And that's, that is sort of what they need, isn't it? And, well, need... if that gets to them, and it gets to them in time... Yes. But that's what they need, because at the moment they have... Uh, what happened was, when they started, like, invading and going towards Kiev, um, in the first few hours of the war, they, I think Ukraine shot down seven aircraft in 11 minutes. Yeah. With, and that's with crews and ballistic... So that was good, and that, that has kept that kind of aerial bombing out. Yes. But they can't stop these missiles and whatever, except for this thing called, yeah, these NASAMs. It's an air defence system. And what they're talking about now is uh, one of the, the lieutenant colonel uh, for the Ukrainian army basically said this will help close the sky. So if they can just yep. close the sky... Create this kind of dome over uh, Ukraine, then then these kind of things won't happen. Well, let's move on from war because I feel like we're a bit a bit mired mm. in that. Let's see if we can get something a bit more jolly. This is Tuesday's Guardian, uh, and if you thought our lockdowns were bad, uh, well, China wants them to last for five more years. I said jolly. This isn't jolly at all, is it? Well, did you say did you say China, or I, th I thought you were talking about New Zealand? It was so so draconian. Well, they were yes, but of course they were a small island and they they were able to yeah. to, you know to to do that. But this is China and China. Of course, were obviously hit hard during the start of the pandemic, mm -hmm. and now they're, 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 they are saying five years. Five years for mandatory masking and uh, lockdown regulations. Mm. And Strict residential inspections, regular testing, management of the entry and exit to the city. Yeah. Well, this is, this is what this is. What this situation is, is just using COVID as an excuse to take political control, which, which basically... you think they already have political control? They have political control. No, they don't. It's a very uncontrollable country. It's huge. Yes, and, and Xi has control, but he, he doesn't have complete control, and people are turning on him because the rate of economic growth is going... is going... is not as fast as it was. But people have been, people said that the reason why they were able to lock down so effectively in the, in the, at the start of the pandemic is precisely yeah. because mm. China is authoritarian in nature. They can literally yeah. lock them into their yeah. apartments. But then people started saying that was a good thing. I mean, I remember people yeah. over here saying, well, oh, that's, yeah, yeah. You know, that, that's the upside of authoritarianism. I thought, come on. Yeah. yeah. I but, mean, and we have to remember at the end that they're human beings and 
That, you know, did you see the videos of the, like in Shanghai, all the people screaming in the towers? Yeah, yeah, it's horrible. I mean, it's not like they're conditioned. To, that people want freedom. It's an inherent part of human nature. Yes. Yeah. So to push like this, but interestingly, they said this. A statement came out. It said five years, and then after a while, it's uh, people freaked out, and it seems now it's been pulled, and now they can't. Well, people get, were tweeting about it, and then the yeah. tweets were disappearing. Yeah, but this is how the Chinese government monitors absolutely yeah. everything. You mm. know, but what I don't understand about this is, you know, they had this dynamic zero policy, yeah. right? Uh, and this, of course, uh, related to the original version of the, the pandemic. Oh, yeah. and, and now there's Omicron, and now there's the new version, which is much milder, but transmits much, much quicker. So it doesn't apply to this now. Well, absolutely. So and the other thing is, of course, what we have recently covered was the death rate has gone mm. plummeted down. It can be treated in hospitals. So I don't know, just, uh, this is my personal theory is, it was made in China. They know that if you get it, there's going to be like some secondary thing. Even though you're cured, you're not really, you're going to die in like 10 years, we're all going to die, and that's why they're going for this zero COVID. No, you're talking, you're, talking, you're talking about it like it's a real thing. Like COVID <laughs> is a real thing. I thought my conspiracy theory was stupid. No, but right, you're coming up with a whole new level. of you, you conspiracy theorists, and, and stop doom-mongering, yeah. please. Let, let's just lighten okay. the mood a bit. We're going to go Stop on pounding on the table, mail, Josh. Lewis. Yes, Tuesday's mail now, there's trouble brewing at home for the Prime Minister. Josh, again? I mean, he's I not having a good time. I don't want to talk it? about Boris Johnson again, but he can't help himself. Well, he's in the papers. Yeah, he's in the papers. So this is it. So Boris Johnson, he's going to delay a cabinet reshuffle uh, until the autumn. Now, <laughs> why? Well, I personally think because he wants to see who will stay loyal until then. Possibly the yes. other reason is, of course, keep your friends close, but your enemies I mean, closer. It's so Machiavellian. Isn't yeah. It? If it, if you're gonna kick a couple of these people out who seem like the, the environment secretary, the business secretary, trade secretary, if he puts them into the back benches, they're gonna be causing some trouble. Right. So this is the problem. And I read the other day about how, you know, because they're trying to change the rules now to try and get him out. They're trying to change the rules mm. about the, you know, he's got Make a year's... six months instead or something. Yeah, yeah, he's got a year's grace because he won the vote of no confidence and they can mm. change the rules with the 1922 committee so they can get him out. Um, and someone has said that if three cabinet ministers were to resign, that would be the end for him, but they won't want to resign because they all want to be prime minister, right? Yeah. So we're mm. dealing with... These are power games. That's what's going on here, isn't <laughs> it, Lewis? I have no understanding of this. It's so anti-democratic. It's like, who are these people? <laughs> I mean, they want to be prime minister. Nobody knows anybody who's in this government except for Boris Johnson. That, they don't know. Well, you, they're not as they, they don't make as much of an impact, do they? Yeah. That's certainly the case. And they have no power base of their own. But but Boris is talking about how he's going to be prime minister for another decade. This just seems delusional to me. You know, after yeah. the, the by-election, you sort of think, and he's taking absolutely no response. He doesn't even entertain the possibility that he might step down. If you saw Boris Johnson 10 years ago, you would not think he'd be prime minister. This is yeah. true. Yeah. Lewis, you're right. He does defy expectations. But, but he's, saying, he's saying the government is getting on with delivering for the people of the country. No, it's not. And we've got a huge amount to do. Well, Tories, you've been in power for 12 years, mate. Well, he is tenacious. I'll give him that. We're going to move on to The Guardian now with a look into the Queen's political influence over the Scottish. Lewis, what's this about? Well, this is something that's shocking to me, is that the, you always think the Queen has, like, the final say at the end. But yes. according to, to, to The Guardian, is that, this, is that the Queen has initial say at the beginning, whether something's even discussed or not, to become a law. Yeah, but, this, but this is just in Scotland, right? So we, we, yeah. you've heard of royal... No. No, I think, well, it, I think, I think it's only England... that they found it. They've got sort of proof that oh. it's in Scotland, but it... So, so, th so it, it talks in this article about the distinction yeah. between royal assent. So yeah. it's just the Queen sort of yeah. signing off, and yeah. that's like a matter of routine. She may as well have a rubber stamp. Yeah. And this thing, which they call Queen's consent, Queen's yeah. consent, yeah. as opposed to royal assent. Yes. Right. Okay. And this idea is that she can actually modify stuff if it pertains to her private property 
Also, I mean, that's yeah. mad, right? And the whole country's her private property. Right, exactly, yeah. but... There was now, a saying... Oh, I don't mean to interrupt. Am I, no, I'm, I, just, I'm just saying, like, the article, the article talks about how there were at least... Well, the Guardian say there's at least 67 there's instances... In of, Scotland, but where, here it says, since 1952, there's been a 1,000 laws under the Queen's consent mechanism. So, no, but does that mean that uh, the Queen's lawyers have looked at the various bills? It's exactly the same thing. It's Scotland, but, but, in, but, but across the... How, I would like to know, how many have the Queen's lawyers actively changed, have said, you need to change well, that? there's no reason to suspect that they haven't changed all 1,000. If it relates really? to her property or whatever, yeah. So like here's, here's an example. It says, last year, the Queen's lawyers secretly lobbied Scottish ministers to change a draft law to exempt her private land from a major initiative to cut carbon emissions. Yeah, so now her Would land is the only... Is the only place land in the country where and in Scotland where you don't need to build pipes anymore to save but this is incredible because the whole point of, of having a symbolic uh, head of state like the like the queen like the monarch who doesn't actually have, you know isn't democratically elected we've got parliament to handle all that but the idea that she could actually we always thought of her as a figurehead but if she's actually sort of you know crossing the i's dotting the t's moving the yeah. documents around uh, i'm not saying she's doing it but her team yeah. that's a real problem right uh, you know andrew Wake up. The Queen has power, okay? The Queen is a somebody. And people in this country act like she doesn't do anything. It's, a ch it's chilling if, they, if this can be done in the beginning and at the end. Well, this is a, someone says here it's an astonishing overturning of the widely held principle that the monarch does not legislate for her own benefit. That's, there is a positive there, is that these thousand laws that they've looked at in the last 70 years or so are laws that relate directly to her and her land. I'm not yeah. saying that's a good thing, but it's not like she's passing legislation or checking on wider okay. things about education. I mean, were we, were we better but, off when, we had, when the monarch was in charge, you know, back in the day? Mm. But this is not an well, overturning, okay. because this has been in existence forever. So, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, so it's not yeah. an overturning. That the fact the Queen is involved in this is just... is the fact that our press is so inferior in this... Our press, the British press, is so inferior that nobody knows about this. And you... Well, and the you Guardian's are, reporting on it now. I did, about it. I it's a bit know, late. I didn't know, and I was astonished by yeah. this. So anyway... Tuesday's Times now. This is an investigation into how criminals are getting your money using adverts. Josh, what's this? Yeah, so gangs are making up to a million pounds a day using these fake celebrity adverts. Uh, some of the celebrities include Duchess of Cambridge, Holly Willoughby, Martin Lewis. Um, I don't know if Martin Lewis is a celebrity. He's well-known. Anyway, but they are making some serious money from it. And I thought when I first read this, is like some like pop-out advert would just say, Hi, I'm the Duchess of Cambridge. Yes. Um, you know, I've invested a million dollars. If you send me your bank details, I can, you know, get some of it to you and you can help me out or something like that. It's not but that, then. It's not that. It turns out she is totally fine. She didn't inherit the money. Uh, what it is is these little sort of pop-ups on the bottom of some blogs and some websites um, and various other, like, online content, and those things will go through to these fake websites. And in this case, with the Duchess of Cambridge, it was like there was a picture of her with a black eye or something. What? Yeah, and you click on it, you go, how did she get rid of it? Or she was... And, and then you go on it, it gets some cream So these things, helps. I mean... Look, but then, and then you never get... So you give them your money, and then you never get the product delivered. But, I mean, a million a day, I mean, I'm in the wrong well, This job. was from a Bitcoin uh, scam, yeah. But on the other hand, like, don't these things get taken down? They must be they, taken down. You know what? Quickly. This is such a non-story. It's one of the typical... New, typical Times stories about how bad the internet is. It's just a, a clickbait where someone clicks on something which is interesting, or they think is going to be interesting, and then they're sold something else that is not delivered. So it's just a... It's just a well, it's not a non-story for the celebrities, yeah. though, because they're having their image used, their persona used, mm -hmm. without their consent. 
Yeah, well, no. that's an, that's another issue. Okay, so you say, well, celebrities are complaining because because that, that's a copyright, not a copyright issue, a plagiarism yeah, yeah. issue, a uh, something think, else. But this is different from the online safety bill, which is going to uh, an Ofcom. This is not regulated by Ofcom. This oh, I particular see. thing. So this is why there's just this loophole here. It's just the Wild West, isn't it? If you're if you're if you're a computer competent, you can you can make a fortune. Well, just that's by, what, and they're yeah. making a lot of money. Uh, anyway, on to tomorrow's Daily Mail now. And previously, we've heard about trans swimmers yeah. crushing the competition. This time, it's skateboarders, Lewis. Well, it's, I mean, so uh, out in L.A., they had a competition but, or whatever, where a skateboarding competition. There was an open competition, and a trans woman who was 29, she beat a little 13-year-old girl. The 13-year-old girl came second, right? It came second, I mean, right. just look at the article, though. It, it talks about yeah. how... All of the other competitors are teenagers. So was this trans woman identifying as a teenager as well? Yeah, she could have been. I mean, there's lots of ways you could be identified by height, by by weight, you know, how, how pushy their parents are to get them involved in something like this. I mean, I feel bad for the 13-year-old. Yeah. I mean, this isn't fair, is so it? So the winner won $500 and she got $250. And this has been highlighted by another female skateboarder called Taylor Silverman, who... A couple of weeks ago, I remember she went online and showed how her last few competitions, she's literally lost thousands of dollars to, uh, by being beaten by trans women. In the final, oh, you right. don't just lose the, the prize money, you're losing sponsorship. And, um, and you know, they're like, and even in this competition, which is a much smaller one, one of the six competitors uh, included a 10-year-old who came fifth, or as I call it, fourth. Right. Well, this, but, is the, yeah. this is the problem, isn't it? Like, if you're a young girl and you want to get into athletics or something, and you see this kind of thing, yeah. and you know the photographs quite interesting because you can see this 13-year-old yeah. girl and a 29-year-old huge, you know, yeah. which mirrors woman. a photo even from a few weeks ago from cycling in this country, where there was a teenage think, girl, and then there were two the people. She came third and first and second yeah. with these it's, two it's trans not, women who were like twice her size. And Lewis, just, ima no. just imagine you were a 10-year-old girl who wanted to be the world's top athlete. If she's not, first of all, it's based on, it's based, it's not, uh, it's not based on speed or distance. It's based on a, an artistic no, appreciation. No, it's not. No, of course it isn't. Skateboarding. How high, how high you can go. No, it's that's not, it's, not what it, it was. Yeah, no, but the point it is, was an all your athleticism level. is going to be connected to your physicality. It, so is, if you can pull was a, a group, trip. No, you know what, there was a, it, just another case of whiny, complaining kids. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, Lewis, I, I, yeah. I defer to your skateboarding expertise because I know nothing about I'll it. I'll say this. Well, I do. They're being judged, uh, on, they're being judged on, on artistic merit, I assume. No, it's not like they're going like, wishy-washy, yeah, they say, oh, they I'm did a skateboarder. This. No, yeah. Josh, it's a very actually, physical sport. You have actually done skateboarding, right? I have done skateboarding. I used to be okay. I'm very, very bad at the moment. I had a terrible accident about a year ago when I was trying to show off to my kids. I'm like, <laughs> hey, guys, this is how it's done, and just fell massively off of the ramp and just crippled myself. I mean, have you ever me. really recovered from that in their eyes? Because I don't know how you get your authority back. They just laugh every time they see me now. This is the problem yeah. you see. Now, let's move on now to tomorrow's Independent. And Boris Johnson, he's, uh, he's stating some biological facts, some biological truth bombs. Well, here we go. Them. Boris Johnson says that a person cannot be born uh, with a penis without being a man. And it's annoying because um, all of the things that Boris lies about and this, <laughs> and, the, this one the, right. and this is the one time he's telling the truth. So you know what the problem And the is? other side are the ones who are lying. So the problem with this is, of course, that so many of the, the, the feminists who are rightly angry about, about, about what's going on here with gender identity ideology, now they're going to have to agree with Boris Johnson. They won't like that because they're all left-wing. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 
But he's right. Yeah. Right. Well, and I, I include myself amongst right. them. He is right. But the tragedy of this entire thing is that Boris Johnson's situation is so bad in every other aspect That's it. that he mm. finds this situation less problematic. So do you think he's... he's talking about this as a means to distract from all, let's face it. Yeah. Well, that's, 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 what, that's what Stonewall's saying. But no, I think it's he's been actually given, finally a politician has been given some good guidance. And he's and actually he sounds like he's up on the issues, which he yeah. says the three things that he's concerned about are the age that you, of consent, basically to transition, uh, question of safe spaces for women, and the difficulty in sporting competitions. Now, these are the three things that most people who are involved in this debate care about. Yes. And so he's actually got someone briefing him properly. And I just wish that person who was briefing him would go to Keir Starmer and brief that side because it's incredibly frustrating that they're trying to be like, oh, wishy-washy, be kind. It's like, no, there are proper issues here that have to be dealt with. Absolutely. And now the Tories are absolutely using him and smashing Labour at what, What's very annoying about this, though, is that the, the, the Stonewall um, individual who you mentioned who said that, you know, yeah, this, he was just distracted, also said... He shouldn't be fooled into talking about anti-trans talking points. Why is acknowledging biological reality yeah. anti-trans? It's not. Because if there's no biological reality, there's no such thing as trans. As trans. So why, did, why call them trans women if they're just women? At some yeah, point, yeah. they stop well, being trans. Well, that's always been the circular this, logic. This is the yeah. circular. This is, I don't want to go into that now because, we'll, you know, we'll get, we'll get tweets. Let's, let's wait until your show on Sunday. Let's wait until my <laughs> show on Sunday. I can deal with the tweets then. Uh, Tuesday's Telegraph now and the government apparently now owns a stake in an upmarket swingers company. Lewis, you know a lot about this subject. I uh, know, no, down market swingers company. The <laughs> up, <laughs> well, it's it's the tele, you know, the Telegraph, which is fantastic. And uh, it's like during the time that the government was printing money and then being surprised when when this devalued money was so devalued that doctors are asking for thirty percent more. Okay, they they gave money to a uh, an upmarket swingers club called Killing Kittens. Have you been there? Killing Kittens. Have you been there? No, but I was once invited to Plato's retreat in New York. And is that but a similar kind of thing? It was, a, but it was when I was young, and I had plenty of opportunities. I have to say, the pl Plato's retreat sounds a bit gay. Sounds like a gayer swinger thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So no. Maybe that. So maybe you, it's good. It's a good job you didn't go. But what? Yeah. I mean, but you know, because you're not gay, not because I'm being homophobic. Um, I mean, I, I think the, the issue here, though, <laughs> for me is don't like, speak for me. <laughs> no, absolutely <laughs> wouldn't dare. But isn't it strange that? I mean, I suppose it's not just swingers clubs. I mean, they were investing in all sorts of companies weren't yeah, but in, in a, in a and, uh, and there's also we're, another story that's been covered is how much of that was sort of ripped off stuff and went to yeah. nothing so I know a bunch of people who've did a few little dodgy things <laughs> during that time yeah. certainly not me I don't have any money but uh, but it is interesting yeah killing kittens but yeah she's she's connected to the uh, Duchess of Cambridge so you'll get a little pop-up advert Coming up from the, for, yeah. for Killing Kittens. Goodness and me. if you are interested in why it's called Killing Kittens, uh, it's a reference to a, a saying about the almighty smiting defenceless cats uh, to punish those engaged in uh, self-pleasure, which is probably what happened with that. Remember the lady put the cat in the bin? I do remember that, I wonder yeah. if she just had a little self-pleasure... And, and then the that was... Oh, it, interesting. That's where it comes from. see, I can't think about swingers' parties, because like, I just think of Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. No, that very creepy, scary... It was scary the least sexy it. scene. The least sexy sex scene. It wasn't meant to be scary, though, was it? it was, no, but it was meant to be sexy, at it was meant to be sexy I imagine, and it, it was not. No, it, wasn't, anyway. it wasn't at all. Let's go on to Tuesday's Mail now. And free speech is under threat. 
Apparently, with the government's proposed internet clear-up. Yeah. Josh, this is the online safety bill. I yeah, think. so this is free speech. Obviously, that's more your domain. I mean, you've written a book about it, uh, which I will read one day. You keep saying you're going to read it. I'm going to read it. You I never just, get around to it, Josh. You, just, I, you don't on, want to read it. I do want to read it. It's on my bedside table. Oh. I am going to read it. I'm busy. So I'm snubbed. Busy. OK. Uh, but in this particular case, uh, yes, Lord Frost is basically saying that, that this flawed bill could be highly damaging to free speech uh, because it's hard... One of the things he points out for criticism is that it's going to outlaw comments on social media that would actually be legal in the real world. So right. it's the only benefit to that, as he says, is the perennially offended who want to protect, be protected from anything uh, that they disagree with, a.k.a. the far left. I mean, it's interesting that Lord Frost is, getting, is weighing in on this now yeah. because it does feel as though this has just been sailing through without mm -hmm. sufficient pushback. And the problem mm -hmm. with the online safety bill is you're going to get a situation where, where you know, Ofcom are going to be regulating the internet. Major, major social media companies are going to be liable for everything on their platform and they can lose, what, 10% of their annual revenue as a fine? Mm -hmm. So they're just going to censor everything because they're going to be absolutely terrified. Uh, and, you know, this is not a good idea to encourage social media platforms to censor more. They already do it enough. Well, this is the, the whole thing is about the mainstream media who's losing its power, losing its grip. And every one of these, or, you know, these articles are about basically that. This is, this is the Daily Mail, the Times saying we've got to shut down the Internet and their day is gone. But in, in the future, we won't be reading from the newspapers. There won't you be any you newspapers. always find a conspiratorial reason. It's not a conspiratorial. It's, it's, you know what? It's not a conspiratorial. It's, it's economic efficiency. Okay. Look, there are children that do need to be protected. There are things of this bill that are of value. But as it says here, the problem with focusing on what people uh, get offended by, mm. then what is called a hate crime to, to a person, one person, is different from another person. Saying that sex is binary, some people would consider that a hate crime. They absolutely do. OK. And we're delving right inside the papers now to some of the more obscure stories. Here's Tuesday's Guardian. And sticking with our theme of the online safety bill, so mm. young people are now being encouraged to report harmful content to Ofcom, Josh. Yeah. But what do they mean by harmful content? Well, I mean, I guess well, what they say, actually, it's uh, offensive or bad language, misinformation, scams, fraud, uh, unwelcome friend or follower request, trolling... Uh, and bullying and abusive behaviour. So there is a lot of this content out there, and they're also saying, Ofcom says 67% of 13 to 24-year-olds have seen this harmful content of those different examples, but only 17% report it. I feel like they're focusing on getting people to report it. It feels a bit like victim-blaming here. Really? Like somehow that, oh, well, they're seeing it, and re because they're not reporting it, it's not getting... Pulled or whatever. My slight problem with this is that they, they, they're talking about how when they outline what precisely they mean by harmful content, mm. the most, the biggest one, 28% yeah. is bad language. Yeah. And then you've got misinformation, which could be anything. And then you've got trolling, which could be anything. Mm. Um, so the smallest amount is bullying, abuse and threats. That's 14%. So actually most of this is stuff that really everyone who's online has to get accustomed to because, you know, it's just there. And it's not dangerous in the way that, say, uh, you know, uh, illegal content is dangerous. This is just offensive content. Well, I mean, it can be dangerous in the way that a scamming a 15-year-old who then goes and gets their parents' sure. credit card or, like, misinformation, teaching people wrong stuff, uh, 
bad language. You know, you try and protect your children as as well as you can. Yes. Also, unwelcome friend or follow requests. This could be from dodgy people trying to get old. So there's a lot of dodginess out there yeah, on the internet is. that I'm does need to be. It. I just worry that you know they're sort of cultivating this idea that that when people get older, they should start reporting anyone who upsets them whatsoever. Because if no, I did no, that, I, I'd be reporting I, everyone. I, I, you know what? This I is this you, is. But there's still a, there's a problem out there, and how do we deal with yeah, this? Sure. Well, but, but first of all, what is sca scamming is one thing where you try to take people's money and things like that. Which yeah, is really like cool. people going to your gigs. But, yeah, yeah. But uh, they don't have to pay. Okay. And um, but but all this stuff is about perception, and that's one of the big problems that we live in this world. It's a kind of a feminized world where feelings touch everything's feelings. And if I feel slighted, and so what they're saying to these people, if you feel slighted, but obviously these kids haven't felt that slighted because they would have reported it. Well, no, no, I mean, like, you can't get a teenager to brush their teeth. Let alone actually. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? If a teenager were upset about something, you'd hear about it. These people, you're not, you're not, somebody, if someone, an unwelcome friend request, they want to go to the federal, the federal government. Or, or whoever, the police. Or whoever, yeah. the police over an unwelcome friend request. Well, look, we're going to stay on that sort of theme now. We're going to the, the uh, Daily Mail now. And uh, this is, um, this is a strange one. Hate, non-crime hate incidents are back. Oh, yeah. So this is uh, a, a boy uh, who was 11 was called Shorty and a leprechaun. I was called so much worse when I was 11. What do you mean? Like, like just outside we were calling you those words. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and I can't even repeat them because yeah. it's not yeah. suitable for TV. No, it was Shorty and Leprechaun. Um, <laughs> so officers in Wiltshire um, basically have, 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 have now opened, have put this, gave them a non-crime hate instance. This is an 11-year-old. Yeah, well, the 11-year-old was, um, was, was the victim. I, don't I know. assume the one who called him Shorty in a leprechaun was also around the I same mean, it age. could be Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> it could, it could well so be could, Lewis. But it's a problem, because when you have that, you have a criminal... It's on your criminal record for six years. Well, wait, there's two issues here. Why yeah. are the police getting involved with an 11-year-old full stop? Because that's yeah, the job yeah. for teachers and parents. But secondarily, hate incidents, non-crime hate incidents mm. that the police record thousands of all the time, have been declared unlawful by the Court of Appeal. Yeah. They're unlawful, and the College of Police won't get rid of them. They just sort of say, oh, well, we'll change, we'll change the wording and we'll work around. No, mm. abandon them because they're, not, they're against the law. You want to know why it is, Andrew? Because we, we, British people, live in a country where there's a queen, where the queen is manipulating things behind everybody's back. <laughs> it's totally... You think it's a joke. It's totally related. Where the police think that they can do whatever they want. Well, there is that well, sense now. And I, I just I start to think that the College of Policing shouldn't... Oh, uh, you know, they're not yeah. fit for purpose in, that, in this matter, certainly. I mean, because the whole point of this non-crime incident is that it's the perception by the victim or any other person. So if you overhear something... Yeah. You, and I just think, how many gigs have I had people complaining, people coming up and whatever. It's like, no, you're just too stupid to get who the actual victim of that joke was or whatever. So yeah. the idea that someone's going to rock up and just now you've got this hate crime incident on your record... But also, it's terrifying. But it's not even hate crime, it's, it's non-crime. Yeah, it's so a, the non-hate... Yeah, but it's a non-crime incident, but it's still a hate, a non-hate crime. But, but the police, by definition, are not meant to be dealing with non-crime. Crime, crime. Because non-crime is out of their remit. They but, deal with crime, crime. But it's about perception, and that's yeah. like what I said in the, in the earlier oh, story. It's, it's 10,000 so... incidents on a yearly basis. By the way, Wiltshire Police, uh, the police force which has happened to, is obviously the worst force in the country uh, when it comes to rape, dealing with uh, cracking just one in 140 rape cases. Maybe you guys should just get on with that. Get the priorities right. Jeez. OK, Tuesday's Mirror now, and this is a, a real meaty story. Lewis, it's a bit of a well, it's a, a meta story. A meta. So it's like uh, it's like a Jewishly owned company is giving money to the Palestinians. 
No, that's not this story. That we What's the story? We were talking about the uh, the fat porker story. The oh, the fat porker story. Yes. Oh, sorry, well, it's been it's been moved around. Okay. This is a paramedic who was sus suspended after calling a colleague a fat porker. Well, the case could be made that we live in we in the Western world is like rife with uh, obesity, type two diabetes, all the metabolic disorders. That uh, doing a public service. Do so you think shame, fat shaming people is actually going to help them to develop their I health? Think, I think the whole country should be fat shamed, yes. I don't think people are responsible for their fatness. I don't believe that. I think the inherent food itself is too plentiful and it's too addictive. But it has to do with uric acid. But, this, but let's not get into that. This story in particular, right? So this, this story. The, the problem is, is, this is this ambulance worker. Yeah. Called, kept calling a colleague fat. And Two weeks' it, worth of abuse, basically. It was abuse, right? Yeah. And then says, but that's my free speech. And people really misunderstand this about free speech. Yeah, because speech. he read your book. No, my book does not say <laughs> that part Call of people fat. that you can behave in a grossly unprofessional way and say, that's my free yeah. speech, right? Yeah. That's not. It's a completely different thing. You know? it's, you're totally right about this. It, it, it has no place in any business. No. But, that, but the, what they're saying, it's, it's an um, equality and diversity issue. It isn't. It's just a being nice to your fellow workers. Well, it's, it, it's contractual. Yeah. Know? I mean, when I was a teacher, you know, I had to teach a number of different books. If I, if I only taught them about, I don't know, like, um, I don't know, coastal erosion on the Iberian Peninsula, because that was my thing, and I didn't cover any of the curriculum... And I just said, well, that's my free speech. You can't fire me. That's a joke. No, I mean, there are professional that, obligations. What that job. man said about its free speech is basically using the, the, the debunked Amber Heard defense, where she said it was free speech. She said that her right to defame Johnny Depp was free speech. The fact is, is that this guy wasn't being nice. It's not an equality issue. It's not a diversity issue. It shouldn't be a member of law. It, 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 well, i tell you what, Lewis, if he was not working with her and yeah. he called her fat or whatever, I would say that was his free speech. Yes. And, and she's free not to listen. But at work, in a professional context, how can you... But, any but, situation. If, but, but if he like if he shouted that down the street, then how do you not listen to that? That's my question for you. Oh, was it? No, but that's the question about harassment and and, okay. and, and, and when it tips into that level so of. So if harassment. she if he shouted out once, even once, it's going to upset her, and she can't not hear it that first time if it's like across. Well, the you'd have to speak to a harassment lawyer. I would say that that harassment is only really qualified when it's continual. Okay, that's I, what I'm saying. I, yeah, so, I don't but, think one instance of someone... Because people shout at me on the, on the street all the time. I wonder what that's about. Yeah, but you deserve it. And that's I do sort of deserve yeah. it a little bit, don't I? No, you don't. You're great, Andrew. Well, thank you, Lewis. I was actually just fishing yeah. for a compliment there. <laughs> uh, Tuesday's Mail now. And don't you just hate it when your trusted partner has links to an alleged terror group, Josh? Yes, so let's get into this. Oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> so, so, yes, as uh, Lewis basically said... Oh, it's Lewis who's also doing it. Sorry. No, do, wanna... Josh, introduce the story. Okay, fine. Started. Yeah, so Facebook um, is funding and working working closely with a pro-Palestinian charity that is linked to alleged terror groups, uh, including um, that revere convicted killers and had a Holocaust denier as a guest speaker. Allegedly. Allegedly. Well, they did, but this is all put forward by uh, a, a sort of pro-Zionist think tank that mm. has kind of uncovered all of these very dodgy connections. And I would argue, because I fight a lot of this stuff online, look, I want peace, pro-Palestinian... But the fact is, when you go into a lot of these charities, there's some very... You don't have to get too far before the anti-Semitism's Do, you, do you think it's possible that Facebook has inadvertently, you know, th oh, that they I, didn't know that there were all these connections? You know, yeah, no, possible. no, no, of course it is, because on the face of it, it all it seems good. Oh, we're pushing forward Palestinian voices. That's good. But the problem is that these guys, are with their dodgy connections, which are very much proven here... Um, 
are the people who are calling the shots as to what gets out and what is revealed. And, and it's not just Facebook. It also turns out they're involved with Twitter. Right. It's so difficult to know, though, isn't it, Lewis, you know, who you're associating with and who their associates are? Well, the, the, the problem is, is, that, uh, is, that face, is that Zuckerberg is Jewish and it's a Jewishly owned company and they should, you know, they... Well, you think you should, well, you should pick his allies more wisely? Well, what's the point of owning a business if you can't do what you want to do? And I feel like Zuckerberg is sort of being pushed into a corner over this. Well, I just think they didn't know. And I think that because that's the problem is a lot of these, like I say, charities sound good on the front. And then after, underneath, you pull up the hood and there's just a lot of darkness. Under no, you're, saying, you're saying they don't know. They know exactly. I feel, like, I feel like Facebook should know. If, well, if anyone yeah, yeah, should yeah. know. <laughs> the, those with the access to all of the information in the world definitely should. And our private information at that. Yeah. Anyway, Times next. This is Tuesday's Times. An extraordinary story about podcasters maybe, maybe having an impact. Yeah, well, uh, this, is, uh, this is like a, one of those Swedish dark... Box sets. Like The Killing. Like The Killing. Was that Norwegian? I don't but know. But audio. Yes. And audio. So, so what's happened? What's happened is, is that some guy got killed and, and uh, back 50 years ago, this old guy who was on the TV remembers, remembers this, and he decided to, 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 to mess around. And it involves, it's a very, it's a very complicated story. It involves the neighbor who owns a mink farm wanting to buy the rich guy who's a lonely guy living, living at home on this island's area for the water. So this sounds like a plot of a film, mm. and, but it's a yeah. real true-life murder mystery, yeah. and the podcasters have solved it, right? Well, it says Gosh. that they Yeah, yeah well, they have solved it because they, at the end of the story, they sort of, they, someone on the day saw the supposed murderer who died a few years ago uh, where he went for so, a walk, and they sent this dog that sniffs out bones to this site, and they found evidence of human remains there. So, I mean, basically, if Miss Marple were a real person, she'd be on a podcast these yeah. days. That's what, Anyway, Tuesday's Mail now. Car manufacturer Jaguar... Focusing on the important stuff here, Josh. Yes, so they are banning the word slave, uh, which is a term that's used in engineering, as in the master and the slave. Um, it's a relationship between the components and the parts. Uh, and they are going to call it instead surrogates. Right, OK. Surrogates. Oi. Uh, so... Well, no, I suppose because the word slave is considered offensive. Yeah, but it's like one of those words that has other meanings or... or it, yeah. it, within different contexts. Yes. You know, so this is an engine within the within the context of engineering. Yes. It has a, and, and it's also like, by the way, Jaguar, Jaguar modern slavery still exists. So yes. let's not pretend this is just one thing. And I, I'd like to see the people who are actually mining the minerals that make the chips that go into your cars. I think I think it's funny because one of the workers told the son in this article, he says, it's so stupid. He says, um, no one here supports slavery. We just want to build cars and go home. Well, that's it, the go home <laughs> part. And this <laughs> yeah. is it, the real world meeting this ridiculous ideology. OK, let's move on to The Guardian now. This is, uh, well, sadly, this is uh, not all art being appreciated. Uh, this one man saved... Uh, an artist's It's actually work. a really heartening story. There's someone, they lived in the same apartment block or whatever, this uh, old man died and his neighbour went out and saw all his stuff getting chucked out. He wasn't married or anything, this person, yeah. all his stuff was just going a bit. And he sees all of his art and he's managed to save some of it, put it online and people are going crazy. And the, so this art, this is a, an artist called George West, Westron. Yeah. And we can see some of the art there. And as you can see, it's, I mean, that's very much uh, evocative of Bridget Riley. Yes. It has that quality. Of Brid and, and, but it's in felt tip, which is quite interesting. And they're saying that's because that's all he could afford. I mean, it, yeah, it's incredible. Stuff. And they, they found it in a skip. 
Yeah. So the, these he, people were just... He did say he wasn't able to save all of it. Yeah, he did, but, but he got about 150 of uh, drawings. But you just, you just wonder, don't you, how much, in terms of... How, how much have we lost it throughout the history of art, of people just throwing away things and they don't know the value of the thing they're throwing away, they're just chucking it in the bin? But you know? at the end of the day, everybody's an artist in today's world. Everybody's got paper. Everybody's producing stuff. I, myself, have saved the artwork of two artists, myself, <laughs> okay, yes, they're my children, but I've saved everything from their, <laughs> their little, when they were five years old. Well, and the fine, fine works of art they are, At some too, point, you're, at some point, we have to figure out how to throw art away. There's too much... Oh, well, not that, but no, no, I no, thought we, that I, fantastic. No, I think that's really good. But you just kind of think, like, there are so many examples of this kind of thing. Like, you know, um, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, T.E. Lawrence, his first manuscript of The Seven Pillars of Wisdom, he left at a train station in Reading. Yeah. And he never got it back. And so someone probably just picked that up and thought, oh, what's this? And chucked it in the bin. And I mean, he rewrote the whole thing. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. you know, we don't know what we've lost. You know, and I always say, like, people, if they go through their stuff in their attics and they find manuscripts or they find old artwork or so, don't throw it away. Like, yeah. it, it might yeah. be something. Be a hoarder. You know? And it's the same thing with, uh, with buildings. You know, I support that, you know, we shouldn't be tearing down buildings. No, we yeah. absolutely should. Any, any buildings. No, exactly. Well, anyway, let's move on now to the mirror. Ever fancied a holiday up in the clouds, Lewis? Oh, this is ridiculous. This is one of those, <laughs> one of those stories, really, the mirror. It's like a flying hotel. They, some, guy, some guy proposes a flying hotel up in the sky, which is going to fly around overnight so that it'll be like, it'll solve a problem on Earth. There's not enough hotel rooms on Earth. And it'll be environmentally correct because it's going to run on fairy dust and angel wings. Oh, no, no, oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. Yeah, sorry, I misread it. I misread it for Josh. Uh, by nuclear fusion, which has yet to, yet to be invented. So what I was going to ask, can they actually do this? No, of course they can't do it. It's, com it's completely made so what's up. What's the point of the article? They're saying that this is something they want to do, Josh. Is that what the idea is? Yeah, someone basically did a concept idea of it and say, hey, one day we're going to have these massive aeroplanes. It's like this, there's a film about the train that goes around the world, Snowpiercer. Yeah. It's like a self-reliant train, and they're saying that this won't have any uh, people working is... on it, and it's just going to be automated. And... So the story, though, is it's just someone's idea to do a well, I guess thing. The mirror had to fill up well... a few minutes, and we did too. Well, fair enough. <laughs> it's, it's in Swift. It's in Gulliver's Travels, the Isle of Laputo, the flying island. Like, Swift thought of it first. Yeah. Anyway, that's the end of the show now. Thank you for joining me, and thank you to my panellists, oh Lewis Schaefer and Josh Howey. And don't forget to join us tomorrow at the same time, 11 o'clock, where we'll take you through the top news stories. See you then. Farewell. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring. 